Welcome everyone to the Pro Football Doc Week 10 Podcast. I'm Thomas Casali with Dr. David Chow, Pro Football Doc. Well, Doc, it's an, it was an interesting week because we didn't have a ton of big injuries, but we did have some breaking news before we came on about a player who's been out for a bit. Russell Wilson has been cleared to play in Week 10. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Doc, that's the time frame you gave all along, correct? Um, so tell me what you're thinking. Is he going to be 100%? Well, in all fairness, sort of all along, okay? Uh, In-game, I thought it was just the mallet finger, and I thought he could continue, and he might even be able to play the following week with a pin. And remember, he returned for a series even through the ball and whatever before he's mm-hmm. out. Then... The next day, we found out he had surgery, not only for the mallet, but had another fracture. That's when I revised the estimate as week 10, uh, even though there was a fracture dislocation of the finger. And uh, that seems to be the case now, right? Because he's confirmed. And if you go to the YouTube uh, video, if you're subscribing here, we just put out video even before this, where Russell Wilson put out video. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch Succession or not, but I love that music anyways. I love that show. And uh, very produced video. But to me, the biggest takeaway there is not only do you see the pin, but he shows the x-ray of the mallet finger and the pin and the fracture. And the fracture is a stable one with the screws. So it adds to my confidence that he will be playing Week 10, Green Bay versus Seattle Seahawks against Aaron Rodgers. And you can go to that video to, to, to see those details. But it only adds to what we were saying before. Now, it, before it was target, it moved to some confidence. Now it's very confident, right, with all the news that's, that's come out. Yes, and as Doc mentioned, we put out a Russell Wilson video um, earlier on Monday. Um, subscribe to Pro Football Doc, the YouTube channel. You can uh, check us out at Pro Football Doc on Twitter and ProFootballDoc.com. Uh, well, Doc, it's interesting because the team he's playing this week as well, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, we all know what happened last week with the COVID test, unvaccinated. Uh, he, he's going to start on Sunday, though, right? He is barring symptoms. Now, he does not need a negative test. I saw one report where he needed negative tests. No, he does not need a negative test. He is starting on Sunday, period, unless he has fevers or symptoms, you know, later on this week. He is starting. He doesn't have to do anything but show up. And the uh, Packers play at home, so there's no travel issues flying out separately. He'll come off the list on Saturday, play on Sunday. And look, Thomas, you know, we don't try and get political. We just try and stay factual medical. We put out some videos related to Aaron Rodgers, let people decide, uh, you know, et cetera. One video might have been a little uh, supportive of Rodgers, saying that they didn't lie, he didn't lie. The reporters interpreted and then wrote that he was vaccinated, eh, parsing words. And then another one was like, well, tell us the allergy. So I think we're, we're evenly spaced there. But one thing I want to say here on the podcast that we haven't addressed in those videos is Aaron Rodgers is a super smart guy, and he does make some fair points. Like, isn't it silly that he had to be tested every day because he was considered unvaccinated, and now that he got COVID, he's not going to need to be tested for 90 days? It makes no sense, right? But it actually does. Aaron Rodgers is absolutely correct that that is the policy, okay? But that policy was agreed to by the NFLPA and NFL Mm -hmm. for his benefit because if he starts 
if he has to go back into the daily testing protocol on day 11, he's likely to test positive. Then he's out another 10 days. And then, I mean, it's a self-perpetuating machine. The reason why the policy is that you're out for 90 days from testing is your high chance of testing positive still residual positive from the original, even though you may not be infective or transmittive, et cetera. So that policy that he points out doesn't seem to make sense and makes the NFL look silly, but it's actually written in his benefit, and there's logic behind it. All right, well, Doc, we're going to get into that a little bit more in our discussion session of the of the podcast when we talk about Josh Allen, another unvaccinated quarterback. Mm-hmm. But let's run through the injuries quickly that happened this week. So, Doc, one of the ones that, I mean, at least I was a little bit surprised on is uh, Tua. A uh, fractured finger it was announced Sunday that he wouldn't start. Uh, he's going to be throwing on Monday. He's going to start throwing again, but they don't know if he's going to start Thursday night. What are your thoughts on this injury? Well... This kind of falls under what we've talked about, hiding behind health, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. he can't start, but he's activated among the 46. He's the backup. So he's good enough to back up, but he's not good enough to start. So if Jacoby Brissett gets hurt early in the game, Tua would play the rest of the game. I mean, it goes back to the discussion we had a little bit after you joined about Jared Goff, right? I mean... uh, his uh, thumb injury, he wasn't ready to start, but he was active as the backup. And when John Wolford went down in the first quarter, he played three and a half, four quarters mm-hmm. in that playoff game. So could he play? Yes, but they just didn't like it because maybe his grip, he didn't take all the reps. All I say is if he wasn't ready to be the starter on Sunday, medically, not a lot changes by Thursday. Now, they may change their mind based on Jacoby Prissett's performance or other things. They did get the win. They may stay put. But four days, he's not going to get that many reps, and there's not going to be that much increased healing. So ultimately, it's a coaching decision. And if they decided no on Sunday, things aren't going to flip on Thursday, in my opinion. Okay, well, make sure you go to profootballdoc.com. We'll have the six scores uh, for all the games. Uh, and we'll see how Tua is looking for Thursday. Uh, Doc, when you're doing, just a quick question for people who are listening. When you're doing the six scores, um, you, you, you take uh, into account the backup, correct? So Tua and, Br- and Jacoby Brissett isn't going to be as big of a gap as Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. That's correct? Absolutely. And look, we have a, a formula to get there. Uh, and remember, it's about health and availability not necessarily about scheme, but there's no question that, let's say, Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson's the starter, Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills. So that amalgamated six score for the quarterback is much lower, right? Because you're down to the third stringer. Whereas if you're in a 1A, 1B, it's not as different. It depends a little bit on your backups quality slash performance against the starter. Otherwise, if we just took off 100 for every starter that isn't there, that's not necessarily representative of what's going on. And so when we do the six scores, there are team overall health, offensive health, defensive health. There's even offense run game health against defense run game health, but also player health as an individual 
and as a position. And now where the individual's important is obviously for prop analysis, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it was going into the game last Thursday, this Thursday with DeAndre Hopkins or the week before, you know, you know, below 50 because of his hamstring, or Julio Jones this week with Tennessee with his hamstring, uh, his score in the 40s, where he wasn't going to have full production. Uh, so there's individual six scores as well as positional SIC scores. All right, and we'll have all those up for the Thursday night game. That's Miami against the Baltimore Ravens. Doc, two quarterbacks I want to ask you about because I know having worked here with you for a couple months, you know, when we talk about the ankle, you always talk about swelling after the game. Matthew Stafford was injured late in that loss to the Titans, and Trevor Lawrence was injured, uh, both right ankles. Lawrence came back in the game. Any long-term worries for either one of those quarterbacks? I don't think so. We can look at the Matt Stafford video here, and they did show a later close-up, but he rolls out, stumbles. I mean, I think, and then you see him lift up his, his ankle there. I believe it was his left ankle there at the end that uh, he sprained, inversion sprain. He, came, he got it taped. He came back into the game. But, you know, the low ankle sprains, which is what he has, usually swell pretty quickly. We saw it on Saquon Barkley, you know, a couple of weeks ago. It's not usually surprise overnight swelling. The high ankles are where you potentially get some of the surprise overnight swelling. So this one's pretty safe. Matt Stafford's going to be fine. He's going to uh, play through. And uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, in his video, yeah, they said ankle there, and you can see right here. He actually gets kicked by uh, his offensive lineman who's getting pushed back into him. So, yeah, it probably tweaks his ankle a little bit, but if anything, it was as much pain from the kick, and I'm sure he went to get x-rays, and you saw him get kicked right there by number 72 uh, and go down. And uh, obviously he came back in return. So don't really have any uh, next week or long-term worries for either Trevor Lawrence or Matthew Stafford. All right, now let's move to Arizona, Doc, where uh, the, the Cardinals sit atop of the NFC, but they got some injuries mounting up. Kyler Murray ankle didn't start on Sunday. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins hamstring didn't start on Sunday. Running back Chase Edmonds left ankle on, uh, injured on Sunday. Looks like he's going to miss some time. What are your thoughts on Murray and Hopkins returning this week? Well, I would say of the three big Cardinals players return. Murray greater than Hopkins, greater than Edmonds, okay? And I know you're good, you're not gonna say it, but I'll give it to you. You and your gambling connections and people and looking and <laughs> analyzing line moves had it correct that Kyler Murray wasn't going to play. And so what I was saying was based on video, I felt like Kyler Murray could still play if they wanted to. And in the end, he did not, so I have to give you kudos and credit. But uh, from my perspective, I think of it this way, Thomas. And yes, we have some new features coming where we're going to talk about a bunch of things and, and use some of your expertise, et cetera. But the Pro Football Doc brand is about looking at the injury analysis, mm -hmm. not looking at gambling lines. Now, we're going to incorporate some of that, but that should be you, not me. People come to me for the injury analysis, not for my gambling line movement analysis. That's going to be you. And that's why I stayed true and said, by video, I don't think... No, the same thing last week was Dak Prescott, where I said, I think he could play, but here's why I don't think he will, 
based on the comments and what the teams and what the positioning, but also the injury, because Dak's calf injury could get worse. This one, I didn't think Kyler's could really get worse. He could be more sore, but unless he took a hit, it wasn't going to get worse. But in the end, the Cardinals got a win with Colt McCoy. And uh, look, I think Kyler is up for sure. Hopkins is questionable category, and I put Edmonds in the doubtful category. All right, so, Doc, one thing we know for certain, though. Two weeks ago, we found out pretty early Dak wasn't going to play by the odds makers. Cowboys won with a backup quarterback after the big line move. We found out Murray wasn't going to play on Thursday, according to the odds makers. Cardinals win big with a backup quarterback. So we know this week, if a, if a, if a major quarterback goes down, let's take the team with the backup quarterback. So, so far, they're 2-0 and against the line movement. Uh, people getting killed on that. Uh, let's go to Dallas real quick, Doc. Uh, Zeke Elliott, he, he kind of tweaked that knee in the in the surprisingly blowout loss to the Broncos. Uh, any concern he's going to miss time there? No. Uh, I, look, well, let me rephrase that. Is he going to miss some practice time? Maybe. Is he going to be limited or, or a DNP? Maybe. He did have a week five knee issue. This seems to be more contusion and swelling. Uh, from the hit we, we run the play here you don't really see a lot as he limps off with that right knee injury he's in a little bit of a uh, pile as he goes down uh, he came back into the game uh, look he wasn't that effective but neither were the rest of the Cowboys I mean uh, I mean is there a quarterback controversy now I'm joking right I mean <laughs> Cooper Rush Dak Prescott well we'll talk about Dak in a little bit because uh, there were some I saw some chatter on Twitter wondering if he was healthy but we're going to get to okay. a couple quarterbacks I want to get your thoughts on uh, coming up here in a, in a couple minutes the Doc, so listen, I know when it comes to head injuries, I've done this podcast with you long enough that those are tough for you to to evaluate, right? Because they got to go in the concussion protocol and, and all that stuff. But the Patriots, uh, two top running backs uh, dealing with head injuries, Damian Harris and Ramondre St- Stevenson, both went out of the game on Sunday. Looks like uh, next up is going to be Brandon Bolden and J.J. Taylor. They play the Browns this Sunday, so... Again, go to profootballdoc.com. We'll have all the six scores, and we'll have them adjusted uh, to see who's going to play and who isn't. One big injury on the defensive side of the ball, Doc, uh, happened late in the Buffaloes, another surprising loss on Sunday to the Jaguars. Cornerback Tredavious White kind of injured his chest arm area. What did you see on video with him? Well, when he came down and the way he was being examined, there was some worry of a SC joint injury. You remember Tyreek Hill last year or the year before, I forget which one, had that sternoclavicular joint injury. It's not as bad. I think it's a more mild sprain. He did return, and that, that is something that often can be injected to play through. So uh, we'll have to uh, uh, keep an eye on that. But it doesn't seem like it's as severe as Tyreek Hill's in the past, which is good news. Okay, well, let's get to some of our discussion topics, Doc. And we'll, we'll start with Dak uh, because we, we had just mentioned him. Uh-huh. So Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes both struggled on Sunday. And I you know, heard some chatter on Twitter. Are they healthy? Because Mahomes kind of been beaten up this year. Are you seeing anything with either quarterback with, that would suggest that this is health-related? Uh, specifically, no. Let's start with Dak. I think he moved okay, and he was okay. And if you look at his numbers, 19 for 39, 232 yards, two TDs, and an interception, a lot of that was garbage time. Like, they were just out of sync. 
um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if anything, it shows you how hard this game is. With the Dallas bye, with a week of not taking first team reps and other things, maybe it's more the layoff. I don't know, right? And uh, for Dak Prescott, they just seemed out of sync the whole game. Didn't see anything specific injury-wise. Mahomes obviously had his toe operated on. That's not the issue. It, I think the biggest thing is his offensive line. I mean, in an unprecedented move, a Super Bowl team changed the entire starting five, all brand new. And I don't know, maybe there's a gel factor that needs to go on. He uh, Yesterday, he seemed very reliant on Tyreek Hill, and some of the timing was still off. And yeah, I, I mean, physically, I don't see anything. I think there's a lack of confidence in what's going on. And there were a couple of throws that if you would have just showed me the throw, I'd say, well, that's no way that's Patrick Mahomes. It was late, and it wasn't fired in and location-wise. And But I don't see anything in particular where, which would lead me to say it's all physical in some way, shape, or form. All right, well, that, I mean, that's good news if you're a fan of the Cowboys or the Chiefs because it's not, you don't think anything there physically. And, and I got to agree with you on, on, listen, the Cowboys didn't get off the bus on Sunday. If it was just Dak missing throws, maybe that's one thing, but nobody showed up on Sunday, so we'll see how they do this week. Doc, an interesting topic you brought to my attention that we want to look at here. Josh Allen is unvaccinated, similar to Aaron Rodgers. And what's interesting is, is Josh, Josh Allen's backup, Mitchell Trubisky, is in the COVID, pro, COVID protocol, right? So Josh Allen didn't miss any time. I know you have some thoughts on this. Well, look, at our six scores, and maybe I shouldn't, well, I'll, I'll say it. One of the things that we do is the rules for the NFL are jury-rigged to favor the vaccinated, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a close contact and vaccinated, you just test daily, but you can still do everything and you can still play. If you're a close contact and unvaccinated, you're supposed to have a mandatory five-day sit-out regardless, right? Because of that and because of the quicker return for vaccinated, you could test out, whereas unvaccinated like Aaron Rodgers has to be 10 days. There are some player availability advantages to the vaccinated. So we did some math with our math guys and formula, rates of COVID and other things. If you look at our six score on Josh Allen, that's why he's been at 92 all year. He's not gonna be any higher, look, he's not any, normally he'd be 98, 99. He's at 92 because statistically across 17 games, he's probably going to miss one, just like Aaron Rodgers did. And the same for Kirk Cousins. It's not hating. It's not political. You guys come to us for injury information, and part of that is availability. Um, and so it matters. I was a little bit surprised that, look, you saw what happened last year with the Denver Broncos, with the, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, all the quarterbacks. And you saw with Aaron Rodgers what happened and it was interesting because the day before, backup quarterback in the Packers room tested positive for COVID. And the next day came news Aaron Rodgers did as well. Quarterback, you usually meet in the same room and you meet together. Now, is it possible that Josh Allen was not a close contact of Mitch Trubisky? 
Yes. Typically, quarterbacks are in the same room with the quarterback's coach and would be close contacts. Now, maybe Josh Allen was smart enough because he's unvaccinated to do it by Zoom or do it in a bigger room and keep his mask on and whatever to avoid this close contact situation. But absolutely, if there was a close contact, Josh Allen would be out, would have been out this game on Sunday. In the end, it would have been the same result. The Jaguars beat the Bills anyways. But I was a little worried about that when Mitch Trubisky came up, and I was questioning how it was that Josh Allen was not deemed a close contact. I'm not calling anyone a liar. I'm just saying that's interesting. They either did a great job keeping everything separate, anticipating this possibility, which is possible, or, you know, you can have your conspiracy theory about the NFL or the Bills and whatever and allowing him to play. But I just think it's interesting that he was able to, and um, there you go. Yeah, well, it is interesting, and I didn't see anybody in the media mention it. So, it, it, you know, whether he wasn't in close, but there, nobody, I didn't see anyone in Buffalo talking about it. So, you know, it is a good point to bring up, and it's something we'll have to watch. And it is interesting, moving, you know, that how we do grade those. You know, we again, we don't care, Republican, Democrat, we're, we're doing injuries. We're doing health of the yes. team. So it's interesting how you grade those with the, the greater odds that they could miss a game. And we already saw it with Aaron Rodgers, so we'll have to see how it plays out for Josh Allen. So, Doc, you have been the, a thorn in the side of uh, Chicago Bears beat reporters this year. Uh, a while back, somebody somebody posted a practice video of Andy Dalton, and you saw it and right away said, no way is he starting playing this week, even though Matt Nagy was leaving it out there. He, he said he's not putting any pressure on that injured leg. He, he's not playing. Well, right after you tweeted that, they deleted the video. Same thing happens this week with David Montgomery. Uh, they put out a video. He make a comment. They delete it. Matt Nagy says he, you know, there's a good chance he'll play. You don't think so? Well, look, I I really appreciate beat reporters. I'm not even going to mention this beat person. He's a good guy. I mean, whatever. And and it's not anything against him. He put out information. I retweeted it and utilized it, and then it got deleted. And I think it's the team that's not happy with me. Uh, I got nothing. The reporter's great. I, I got no issues. Look, and I don't even have any issue with Matt Nagy. Coach Nagy's doing his job, but it's coach speak, okay? So you go back to Andy Dalton. He, Dalton, he was putting up the roost that Andy Dalton was going to play. I saw video and said, yeah, this cements it for me. He's not going to play. And then, of course, the video got deleted hours later. Now, if I were trying to cause trouble, next time I'll record the video separately offline, and then I'll have, but I'm not doing that. And this time, same thing. He showed video of David Montgomery cutting, and he cut one direction very, very well. And the other direction, in my opinion, not so well. That's why I came out and said, I'm not sure he's playing tonight. If anything, I think it may be smarter for the Bears to say, uh, take the bye week and come back week 11. Now, to me, if he does play tonight, hammer the under prop bet if, if the numbers are anywhere near normal, if, if they do suit him up tonight. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. But I'm not picking on the Chicago Bears. A lot of teams do this. Going back two, three years ago, I remember um, there was a Thanksgiving Day game where Mitch Trubisky, when he was the solid starter, got hurt 
and was a DMP for a right throwing shoulder injury on a Monday before the Thursday game. And everyone said they were going to play. And I remember going back and looking at the video, and it was a Harrison Smith from the Vikings hit that day, at, the day before, at the end of the game. And to me, it looked like he subluxed his throwing shoulder. And I said, there's no way he's going to play on uh, Thursday. And I went hard on that. And the line actually did move, but I, I don't know all that Vegas stuff. And then later in the week, of course, Chase Daniel was his first ever start. And uh, it came out that Chase apparently told his wife, because his wife was interviewed, saying, what did you think about your husband being taking the first start? He goes, well, it was a crazy week. I was hosting everyone on Thanksgiving at our home for a later Thanksgiving dinner. And on Monday, I get a call from my husband saying, pack up your bags and go to Detroit. I mean, so they knew on Monday he was going to start. But the team yeah. was saying other... Uh, that's what teams do. That's what you want your team to do. You don't want to tip your hand. I mean, so I'm not hating on the Bears. It's just I'm trying to give the best injury analysis information for people. But everyone's just trying to do my do their job, including me, the beat reporter, Coach Nagy, and the Bears. Well, and if you hey, listen, if you hear this podcast before the game starts, Doc says if Montgomery is active. Hammer the under prop bets. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Assuming <laughs> the prop bets are set at the normal levels, right? I mean, if he's got him at 16 yards, okay, maybe not, okay? But and, and I don't know what the norm is. I'm not in a legal gambling state. But I'm just saying, even if he plays, his, his six score is low. Let's put it that way. We don't think he's playing still, despite what the Bears say. And if he does play, we don't see him, you know, having an explosive game. Yeah, his prop bets are usually set in the 60s, but considering he is injured and he's playing the Steelers, that's probably going to be a little bit lower if he plays, but it won't be as low as 16 for sure. <laughs> Doc, uh, this, it, was a crazy, it was a crazy week, right? And it, it ended on Sunday night with the Rams just getting absolutely hammered by the Titans. You know, we saw Von Miller standing on the sideline. You think he's close. They got the 49ers in week 11. Is Von Miller going to play, you think? Yes, I do. Um, here's the thing. Um, by looking at the video of the injury, it didn't look that bad. Uh, this is when he was in Denver on that, his last game that he played. And even Vaughn after the game said he was held out due to precaution. The next week, he said, we think Vaughn Miller's going to play. And he did not play. And in the wee hours of the morning, at least Pacific time, Broncos in mountain time and the Rams in Pacific time. So it was pretty darn early in the morning. The next day, they announced the deal for Von Miller. I think that deal was in the works and basically agreed to. So they held Von Miller out because the deal would get null and void if he got injured that, the night before, the afternoon before on Sunday. That also leads me to believe that he was healthy enough to play. Now, is he 100% Yesterday, did they sit him out for no reason? No, he's probably not 100%. But I think part of it was, okay, he's not 100%. Part of it is uh, he wasn't even part of the early week defensive meeting room, right? And so let's get him a week to get his feet under him schematically and otherwise. And it's not just Von Miller going to play. What are they going to do with Leonard Floyd? He's got to learn a new position, right? I mean, there's some shifting that needs to happen. And I think it was as much coaching pragmatic decision and part that and part health decision but 
I'm very confident he's going to play. And, you know, he passed his physical. Uh, I think he's fine. Okay, sounds good. Uh, make sure to go to profootballdoc.com to see the six scores for the Broncos um, trading away Von Miller. The Broncos were an injured team coming in the, the Sunday, although you wouldn't know it with, with their uh, with their game against the Cowboys. The the Rams, a pretty healthy team going up against the Titans. You know, hey, that's that's football's crazy, man. You, you never know what you're going to get on any Sunday. And speaking of not knowing what you're going to get, Doc, the, the video everyone is talking about. Mac Jones <laughs> gets sacked, grabs the ankle of Brian Burns, a Panthers linebacker. Burns is injured. The Panthers are pissed off. Uh, I, I don't remember seeing a play like this. Uh, show us the video, Doc. Give us your thoughts on this crazy play that happened Sunday. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he gets strip sack, fumbled, and he grabs his ankle and holds on. And... Uh, you know, uh, the question is, does he twist him to the ground or does Burns twist to the ground trying to get away from him, right? And that can be up for argument. I look at it as, now Coach Belichick has said, well, he thought Brian Burns had the ball, so he was tackling him. Maybe, but I also think it was a smart play for Mac Jones because he knew he didn't have the ball and he knew he wasn't getting up to get it. He was maybe grabbing onto Brian Burns' ankle so that he wouldn't jump on the fumble. So, if anything, you know, I don't know that there was intent to injure. And the good news is it's very hard to injure someone that way. And, indeed, Brian Burns did return to the game before leaving for an ankle injury unrelated to that. But it has happened before. Think back, was it two years ago or something? Chris Carson, the famous gator role from the Dallas Cowboy <laughs> lineman. Here's Chris Carson yeah. video. He's down. And then he rolls over on that. Now, that one, I'm not, I can't get in Tristan Hill's mind. I, I know the internet freaked out about that one. That one arguably was potentially worse because he actively rolled over and twisted and uh, while hanging on to Chris Carson's leg and ankle. And uh, there was no fumble like Mac Jones. There was no, and he, you know, quote, gator rolled him there. And there was some discipline. But, you know, I remember it freaking out. And, and as part of Pro Football Doc, we said, you know, he's hurt, not injured. Now, Chris Carson did not return that game, but he played the next game. Everyone thought he was going to be out weeks. It's very hard to injure someone by grabbing onto their leg like that. Yes, that was a scary one, the Chris Carson one. And Brian Burns, I mean, it is what it is. We'll let the football people argue it out. But I would argue that... Chris Carson's one was way worse than Brian Burns. Brian Burns, you could say, good play quarterback. You're trying to keep him from getting the ball. And he didn't gator roll him. He just hung on, and it's almost like Burns twisted to get away, and he didn't let go. Yeah, I mean, crazy play. I mean, everyone's talking about it. But, Doc, before we go, there's something else everyone's talking about. I didn't put this on the rundown because I, I wanted to come at you a little bit. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> J J Jordan Love's mom is put up in the last <laughs> row of in, in Kansas City. Now, come on, Doc. I work for the Patriots. I know they have special special sections for the family. They don't put them in the in the last row uh, of Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, I, Doc, you sent out a tweet that got a lot of interaction about, well, that's kind of normal. Come on, explain yourself. Last row? Okay. Let, let me, let me, okay. <laughs> I'm not Jordan Love, and I don't rate. But 
when I got visiting team tickets, and you had to buy them, they were always upper deck corner end zone. <laughs> and I would advise my friends or my wife or whatever, I'll get you the tickets, I'll buy them, but don't complain to me that they're upper corner end zone. That's where they always are. Okay, the team doctors are very last in line. Now, if you want to say, uh, if, if your problem is that she was in the upper corner end zone, uh, that's where the tickets are. If you want to say she should have been, you know, maybe 10 rows from the top, okay, <laughs> fine. I mean, my seats are on the top, but if you look at the video also, you see a lot of Green Bay Packard fans near that section. That's the friends and family section. Yes, there's Chiefs fans around too, but that's the friends and family section for the visiting team. Now, Amy Trask said this, and this is true. There are a select number of tickets that are much better that the home team is able to, has to provide to the visiting team. When I was in the league, that number was 10, okay? Between ownership and this, that, and the higher, I mean, those 10 get eaten up pretty quickly. Could the Packers have given his mom one of those 10? Yes. But the ticket distribution probably already happened. The ticket distribution happens early week, like on Monday. Hey, what do you need? By the time Aaron Rodgers was ruled out, I don't know that anyone went back and changed any of that. Now, could have Jordan Love have bought his mom other tickets? Sure. But I don't think he's being a bad son. I mean, okay, so you look at the video here in the picture, you see all the Green Bay fans in the top five rows of the stadium. That's what it is. Uh, the, and uh, look, could Jordan Love gone on StubHub and, and bought his mom better tickets? Yeah, but who can <laughs> argue with the man? He was trying to be a starting quarterback and busy. Was his mom, I think anything, the mom should be given kudos for saying she's not a prima donna and difficult. And that Jordan Love is concentrating on the game of football instead of where, worrying about where his mom sits. Look, his mom may say, it's good luck. This is where I've been sitting up in the upper deck the whole time. I don't want to change anything. I mean, I think people overreacted on that. Certainly, all I can say is it's not the Chiefs' fault. That's normal that you get upper corner end zone seats. I mean, that's why I think people were coming to me saying, you're going to get me better seats. I'll buy a few. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't get mad at me. This is where the seats are. So that's normal. If you want to blame Jordan Love, you want to blame the Packers, okay, maybe. But the Chiefs, that's what every team does. They save their best seats for their season ticket holders. They make more money that way. They sell them that way. It's upper corner end zone for visiting teams. And the other thing is Jordan Love's mom may not have wanted to move because, look, I love this fans of Kansas City. They're very friendly, okay? And uh, other teams, when you ride the bus in or out, there's, you know, middle finger, you know, middle finger salutes all over the place. And, and uh, I guess I can say it. In Oakland, when we were on the team bus, we used to have wagers over under how many kids under five that would flip off the bus, okay? In Kansas City, all you would see is people waving at you, like, hi, well, you lost. Well, you lost, lost that bet in Buffalo. I know that. <laughs> well, my, my, po my point is, when you're going to a, a away stadium, sometimes the friends and family of the team like sitting together in a section, right? So, is I mean, so uh, there's much to digest, but it's way too simplistic to say the Chiefs screwed the Packers or Jordan Love. They did what was normal. That's all. 
All right, well, I just, I just want to say the Patriots must be a phenomenal organization because I had two two tickets to eat every home game, and they were way better seats than Jordan Love's mom. So I, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I guess it depends on the organization. Well, let but, me tell no, you, I just when the Chargers, was, <laughs> Thomas, when the Chargers played the, 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 the Patriots, yes, the tickets were upper corner end zone for the visiting team just the same. Now, you, they have better <laughs> access. The Charger team tickets, other than the – quote, owner's tickets or whatever, whatever, where they allow you to get a suite or those 10 that are, you know, near the 50-yard line. The standard tickets, that section upper corner end zone, you know, whatever number that is, that's what the Chargers were issued. So the Patriots may have been good to you, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's standard. That's what the league does. Well, Doc, this is why we love you. You have a unique insight into the league, both on injuries and non-injuries. Um, and make sure everyone subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got new stuff coming out all the time. Go to profootballdoc.com and follow us at profootballdoc for all the instant injury analysis for week 10 and beyond. Doc, another great show. I'll see you next week. Thank you.